Scottish or anything. <laughs> <You're> killed. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. I am Father Peter Musset. And I am Scott Powell. And we are... <laughs> this is the spot where we always get stumped. What Total, do we say? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're coming to you without headphones. Today. We're coming to you without headphones, which is weird. It's like, I, I feel like... I hope you guys have the kind of oh natural conversation experience that we're having. I don't even feel like we're really podcasting. I don't either. Actually, really like strange. we have no in- digital interface between our, our personhoods. No, we're actually talking like human beings. I know, which is weird. Even though we have microphones in the way. Yeah, and I still have my headphones around my neck, <laughs> just just to keep them close, <laughs> just in case somehow the the headphone fairies begin to. Work. I don't feel like I would feel as tech savvy without them right here. <laughs> I wouldn't look as cool. You you definitely wouldn't look as cool. No, that's true. And well, um today <laughs> <laughs> we, Yes. <laughs> we've got a podcast. Yeah, you. we do have a podcast. I can't hear myself like I normally hear myself. That's why it's so weird, but we gotta just roll with it. Dude, you guys you're rolling with the homies now. Rolling with the homies. So what do you got what do you got in the way of shout outs, man? Dude, um, there is one guy I want to give a shout out to, Derek, who's in our RCIA, who, as I was, I gave a church tour to the RCIA last night. And, oh, yeah. Um, and uh, as we were walking back from the church to the student center, uh, the uh, Derek was like, you know, one of the reasons why I'm coming into the church is because of your podcast. Thank you, guys. His boss turned him on to us. Really? Yeah. Where does he work? <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I asked him, and he told me his boss's name, and and I give Derek your boss is cool, and I'm gonna give a shout out to your boss from you because that's like pretty <laughs> awesome, and that's like how the workplace should be is Go filled Derek's with boss. evangelization and goodness. Seriously, that's awesome. So, um, so I, I, I want to give him a shout out. Um, I let me, I do it. I think I, I feel like I always have to check my shout out. Um, I know that's tab. what I'm doing. Everyone, everyone liked our scientific hypothesis of what Zacchaeus probably looked like. I know. I've gotten more comments uh, on the live version of interpersonal communication about that than anything else in a while. You mean people talking to you? What, 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 <laughs> yeah. what are you saying? <laughs> I mean, so much yeah, of our personal communication is virtualized. It's either through some sort of telephone line well, or yeah. some sort of VoIP or VoIP or some text um, I savvy iMessages, which I'm very excited. Um, uh, Brady is going to be getting an iPhone in the next in the next week. He really needs it because, like, he he's so sad because there's all these group iMessages. And like he oh, gets, and he's never on them. N- no, and then he has mm. to like respond to everybody because it comes in as individual people texting, and <laughs> he can never get in the, on the conversation. Oh, come on, Father Brady! It makes me so sad. Father Brady. So we, um, one thing we should note, uh, yeah, last <laughs> yesterday, last week, we um, were talking about the story of Zacchaeus, right? Yeah, climbing, climbing the sycamore tree, dude. And we said that we didn't really know the significance of the sycamore tree, and we asked for. People's thoughts. We got a lot of different thoughts of really? people's, which which we don't have time to go through. Some some were good, some were not. So good. no, I'm just kidding. No, they were they were actually all of them. Dude, were, don't be were very interesting. People, no, I'm man. just I'm kidding. I'm kidding everybody. I'm kidding. I love you all. But there were uh, there were actually some very insightful ones. But you out of nowhere, Mister, I have no idea what the sycamore tree is all about. On Sunday at mass, pulled out all this 
all this stuff on the sycamore tree. I know. So would you mind enlightening us just a bit so we can recap what happened last week? Oh, absolutely. Well, I um I gave this homily and it was terrible. So I was like, <laughs> I was there and I was like, oh man, I've got to like scramble for something because I I didn't remember what we had podcasted and, and and all this stuff. And so I was like, sycamore tree. I'm gonna find out. And so I looked up the sycamore. It turns out that um sycamore is is actually a way to say a fig tree. And hmm. so, uh, so as soon as you get into the fig tree, you're into the crazy abundance of imagery in the in the scriptures. Everything from Adam and Eve sewing leaves together for themselves out of the fig tree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, um, <clears throat> and then, but what's really cool is that uh, the sycamore um, suko is a root word, and you get both the moments of. Um, it's it's a fig. So uh, in the ancient world, an extortioner was a sycophant. Sycophant, right? And so it comes from the same word, uh, same word as uh, same root word as this fig. So it's really interesting. A sycophig. This, yeah, the sycophig. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, sorry. So Just keep moving on. The Plaster. sycophant went up into the sycamore, and so Luke is doing a play on words. And oh, the sycophant went into the sycamore. Yes, and so he's sick. He, the ex, you know <laughs> the, the fig shower goes up into the tree, and then Jesus, what does he do? But he plucks the plucks him out. He plucks him from the tree. I love it. And a, a a good tree does not bear bad fruit. Right. And so what he's doing is he's showing the Pharisees that they uh, are that they're all they see is a sinner, whereas. He sees somebody who's ripe for conversion. Yeah. All he needs to do is make an introduction. And this man, Did you say ripe for conversion? Yeah, that right. was good. Well yeah. done. Hey, thanks. So, so I think that the, the sycamore. I think that it has roots in. Of course, there's there's lots of sycamore things. Has roots. <laughs> they, they just keep coming. They keep flying. <laughs> nice work, dude. Ripe roots and stuff. So, I think I think I think you if if you wanted to go crazy. All you have to do is just keep going with the fig tree, the sycamore, and you will find you will. I think you could actually do a whole explication of the entire history of salvation. <laughs> we did get one email, and it was a good one. I'm not making fun of it, but it, out of all the emails about different people's thoughts on the sycamore and the significance and the you know the 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 foreshadowings of the Old Testament, someone's like, could it just be because it was a sycamore tree? <laughs> <laughs> That's why Luke tells us it was a sycamore tree because it Dude, was. That's totally. And that's a fair. I mean, it's yeah, a fair response. It's a fair response. I mean, there's there's some literalism. Maybe it there. just was. Maybe you know. it just was. But and why was it? But why was it? Why did God choose that one? And I think yeah. it, I think it's pretty exciting actually when you learn that. It's oh, it's awesome. Tree. And then somebody told me about how the pollination of of sycamores takes place. There's a dedicated wasp. That seriously, um, yeah, yeah. That the, the flowers for the are of a fig are on the inside. Yeah, and so to pollinate these these weird wasps crawl into the fig. No. Yeah, Paul, bump around, and then uh, the bump male, around. then the male, bump around, <laughs> bump around, come bump, jump, bump, make it now, dude. Talk pollinate, of, pollinate, dude, okay, well. And then this male wasp burrows a hole out. So then the the um so then the female wasp can get out of the fig and then go populate other They're these tiny little wasps that that marinate and uh, <laughs> marinate <laughs> the yield fig tree and so whenever you eat figs, you eat yield wasps. fig tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Oh, baby. I don't know why this is cracking me up. Yeah, dude. It was really a weird thing. I, it was a very detailed, ex- way better, way more detailed. Because they keep on losing their wings. And I forget which point they lose their wings. But I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that's happening on that fig tree. Tell me about it. So, Well, so, thank so you if, for if, elucidating uh, us on that. Yeah, yeah. And if uh, if you guys are in need of clothing, just go to a fig tree and uh, sell yourself some clothes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that the ancient Hebrew tradition... The most ancient Hebrew tradition states that the fruit that Adam and Eve ate from was actually a fig, not an apple. Oh. It says they ate from a fig tree. And it further says, do you further know, Father Peter, I that know. that according to the Jewish traditions, and this is this is what's called the Talmud, right? The this history oh the, the Midrash, the Midrash. history surrounding it. Is that is that when you like you get like red spots on your skin in your midsection? <laughs> your midrash. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, here yeah, they come! Yeah, you know? yeah. I, oh, I, I'm getting a mid rest. <laughs> dude, you didn't sleep at all last night, and I slept a ton. I slept maybe 20 minutes. It's and fine I, though. And I slept at least like seven hours. Every every 20 minutes on on the mark, my daughter would wake up and vomit, and so I slept on the floor next to her so I can have the bucket ready. 80 percent of the time, it worked. Oh. 20 percent of the time, I just changed sheets. Oh. It was a rough night, but that's all right. That's Let's not so talk about hard. that. Yeah, times is hard. times is hard. Um, well, we, I was about to say something. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna say in the Jewish tradition. So that th- it says that Adam and Eve ate the fig, a fig tree of a fig tree, <laughs> and uh, afterwards, when they realized their sin and they wanted to cover themselves, yeah. the Jewish tradition actually says all of the trees were so frustrated that they did something so stupid that they all dropped their leaves, so that Adam and Eve couldn't cover them themselves up with any of the leaves. They all like hid their leaves from them, except for the fig tree. And so the reason they had the fig leaves is because the fig tree was the only one that permitted them to actually have its leaves. Because oh. it, too, was culpable in some sense for the sin that had come into the world. Oh. It's a really interesting history, tradition, yeah, picture that's painted. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Well, but what is here or there what, is the fact to... that um, I, I don't eat cookies in bed. I only eat fig newtons. I thought I told you not to eat cookies in bed. But it's not, not a, a cookie. It's a fig it's newton. A fig newton. I can't believe I remember it. It's... <laughs> uh, even as you're saying it, I can hear him back. Yeah, there. dude. I mean, that one like is indelibly marked it onto is my indelibly fig, marked into my figgy soul. <laughs> Do you know Father Dave Nix's fig story? No. Oh, I'll have to tell you after the podcast, dude. You just I can't tell the whole either. podcasting audience. I what? Maybe okay. Tell me after. The oh, I'll tell you after. Okay. Hey, so you know what? Have, okay, so what are we, <laughs> we have readings. These people are not interested. We've in been this. giving interesting theological insights. It hasn't just been us talking about your picture up at Wax Drags on the Hill. <laughs> nice. Thanks, nice man. I pulled back, it. Dude. Yep. Wow. You were you know we're approaching our one year anniversary. Advent. Advent. Right? Yeah, we're wow. in the thirty second week in ordinary. What are we time. gonna do for the first Sunday of Advent? Or for for our for our first year anniversary? I don't know. Any uh, you guys uh, send party. us suggestions on what we should do for what our should we first do? Year anniversary. A, a four hour long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of the entirety of salvation. All week at once. All week. <laughs> oh no. Dude, we could do a live. We could do a webinar. Where will we do it? Oh, a live? Yeah, can so we be, do that? So Is people that could like like tune in and, and ask could, questions like on on the thing. We won't. I don't know them, if we have the technology for that. That's pretty big. Well, well, if you we'll guys figure have something. Any other ideas? Let us know. <laughs> we'll do something. Okay. It's gonna be great. It's okay. gonna be that or pointy hats. Okay, so the thirty second Sunday in ordinary time. The first reading this week is coming from Second Maccabees. Maccabees. Chapter Maccabees. Chapter seven, verse one through two and nine through fourteen. 
and the stuff in the middle is missing. So <laughs> just, don't worry about it. Yep. Yeah, so then it's we have fine. a responsorial psalm, mm-hmm. which is Psalm 17, verse mm. 1, mm. verses 5, 6, mm. verse 8, mm. and verse 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, furthermore, we have a second reading from Second Thessalonians, of which I know Father Peter has some great insights tying the second reading and the rest of oh, them today. So you guys are in for a treat. You don't even know, man. You don't even <laughs> the know. Second, second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 through chapter 3, verse 5. And then the gospel today comes from Luke, chapter 20, verses 27 to 38, unless... Your pastor decides to read the shortened version, which is Luke chapter 20, verse 27, and verses 34, 38. Wow. <laughs> Short version. <laughs> Dude, I always... No, we're in a hurry. I, like one, I think only one time a year do I ever read the short version. Why do you read the short version? Because then I don't have you to deal got with time. Nobody got time things. Oh, then I don't have yeah, to deal with yeah. things that are like make people uncomfortable because I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, I, I can feel that. <laughs> I don't really want them to challenge them. No, good. That's I a good basically pastor. just went home. Status quo, man. Status quo. Yep. Speaking of the status quo, I have something to say about the status quo when we get to the gospels. Oh. So take that. Quo. It's really weird not being able to hear us. I, I feel like <laughs> things are not right. I know. I'm yeah. really looking forward to hearing what this hearing is like. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> One more time? Okay. Dude, you know what I have to say about the status quo? No idea. Quo vadis. Ah. Uh, that means where are you going? Ah. Uh, uh, and then you can say nowhere. <laughs> going on okay I don't, I don't know let's talk about maccabees okay max the maccabees maccabees dude Maccabee, they are Maccabee. they are the original mac daddies do you know that there's actually high schools in like tel aviv that have the maccabees as like their mascot dude that's that's awesome yeah because it wasn't a last name right it was it literally meant the hammer right <laughs> what does maccabee mean i don't know yeah, something like that. Anyway, quick word about Maccabees. So first and second Maccabees. We're in second Maccabees chapter seven, but um, we actually, I don't think in the, the year that we've been doing this, we've talked about the Maccabees yet no, or had a reading haven't. from them, which is a shame because I love first and second Maccabees. So we got to give the story of what's going on here, what's happening in Maccabees. Um, here's the bottom line. So this is the period of time when the Greek empire rules the world. So this is a period of what's called Hellenization. So Helen is that like hell on earth? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hellenization. Hellenization. Well, it was for the Maccabees. Yes, it was actually. So yes, that's <laughs> it, it in a matter a of speaking, it absolutely was. Yeah. Uh, so this period of hell, of Hellenization, when they were trying to make the world basically Greek, um, the Greeks. You know, it's interesting. They had a, they had a weird sordid history. There was a period of Greek rule where the emperor was was really big on. Um, learning from all over the world. And that this is the period when people were brought, the, the 72, the 70 elders were brought down from Jerusalem to Alexandria in Egypt to, to write the Septuagint, to translate it into the Greek language so that everyone could have access to all this stuff and the, the Alexandrian library and, and all this stuff was great. There was a turn in the power structure and a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes IV. Is that right? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> We'll go with the fourth. Okay. Antiochus Epiphanes became the emperor. And Antiochus Epiphanes wanted nothing to do with this idea of learning and pluralization and, you know, all this stuff. He said, if people are in the Greek empire, they're darn well going to be Greeks. So none of this following Judaism or these other religions. So this is the guy that cracked down, basically came into Jerusalem and he said, it is now illegal. It's a capital offense to practice the Jewish faith. 
And so he made it completely illegal. And and the punishments, I mean, you can read First Maccabees, and the stuff that they did was brutal. I mean, if you were reading Ugh. a Torah, if you you know were circumcising your child, awful, brutal, horrendous things. That I don't even want to talk about on this podcast right no, now. I mean, you can, they really you know, are. The, the violence of this book is is really it's really profound. Intense. It's and profound. We have violence. a we have a hint of it in the reading itself. We will. Yeah. And, and Maccabee, I did look up. Maccabee <laughs> does mean hammer. Yeah. Right. So so Judas Judas was the first one of the Maccabee brothers to be called hammer. Oh, sweet. But um, so what's the story of the Maccabees? Well, the story of the Maccabees is essentially a group of brothers uh, decide to stand up to Antiochus Epiphanes. And Judas and uh, a father named Matthias has a group of sons named uh, Judas, who's kind of the leader. And then there's Simeon and Joseph, and they all kind of stand up. And eventually they're victorious against the Greek Empire, and they gain some level of... of um, independence for Jerusalem for the first time in a very, very long time. I always feel like whenever I'm engaging the Maccabees, I feel like um, I'm engaging Braveheart a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's that's totally what I heard rumors that Mel Gibson was going to make a movie version of the Maccabees. I did. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. Which would be pretty bloody, which would be right up Mel Gibson's alley. (laughs) Yeah, he fits. Yeah, uh, Mel Gibson fell off the planet, though, man. God bless him. Yeah, we haven't heard much from him. No, and that's good. He's probably listening. I, I so. don't really want him to hear much from him right now. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's all He made a couple of good movies, but brother man, he made some good movies, but yeah, yeah. Have mercy we'll, on. We'll him. leave that one there. Yep. All right. So first and second Maccabees. Uh, one. So that's the story. That's basically what's happening. Yep. Just a quick word on first and second Maccabees. It's uh, it's wrong to assume that this is like volume one and volume two. So volume first Maccabees is the first part of the story, and second Maccabees is the second. That's actually not how it works. Oh, oh I. They're sort that. of concurrent versions of the same story. So first Maccabees, actually, they were written to different audiences. Oh. So first Maccabees was actually written to Jewish people who were living in and around Jerusalem, who were dealing with all these things and seeing what Antiochus Epiphanes and what the Greeks were doing and the horrendous things. And so it, it actually is a little bit more of an overview of the story than 2 Maccabees. 2 Maccabees was the same story written to the Jewish people who were living in the diaspora, who were outside of uh, Jerusalem, outside of Judea, maybe still up in, in present-day Iraq and Babylon and all over the place. Greek speakers. The Greek speakers, basically. And so what you get in 2 Maccabees is all the stuff from 1 Maccabees, but in uh, these much more highlighted details. So it'll take kind of, okay, here's what's going on. Here's an example of this woman with seven sons who is dealing with all these things, which is where our reading today comes from. So it's the same story, but taken in more depth um, to give the, to paint the picture to people who actually aren't there. First Maccabees oh. is basically for people who were there. Like, oh yeah, we know this. We lived through this. Yeah. Second Maccabees is for the others who, who weren't living through this. And it's also sort of meant for inspiration and sort of warning that persecution is coming to you guys as well. Damn. This is spreading. So, um, this is how you ought to live. Here's some examples of people who stood firm in their faith, who wouldn't budge and, and fall. And yeah, so that's the difference between the two books. So they're missed. They're commonly, uh, Sort of misread. Does well, that make sense? I, I, yeah, and I know in the uh, uh, par- like so for the Protestants who who don't have Catholic Bibles who are with us, I think oftentimes yeah. the apocrypha will label it um, one, two, three, and four. Well, there there is, uh, and, and so so I, I, the way that I that I've seen it is aren't the one there two in, more Maccabee books? Are there? I think that they combine them into first and second. The one and two is is Do the they? first book, and the, the the third and fourth is the second book. Um, I just know that I, that I've seen that. Um, I have too, but I wasn't places. sure how it worked. I wasn't sure how it works either. You so. could be right. I don't know. Well, Protestant Bibles don't have Maccabees unless they have unless like they the have the, what's called the apocrypha. So yeah, we've been talking about that whole thing. Yeah, I have four Maccabees uh, in my RSV apocrypha. 
Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just a different dividing division. Interesting. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about the apocryphal books or the deuterocanonical books. So the the this idea that when the Jewish people finally established their canon, definitive canon of scripture in the 300s AD, 300 years after Christ, um, the criteria was that there had to be a, a Hebrew version of them. Maccabees was obviously being written in a time when the world was Greek-speaking, so there's not a Greek version of it. The irony of that is that the book of Maccabees is the only place where Hanukkah is actually talked about. Yet, no Hebrew Bibles, no Hebrew scriptures have the book of Maccabees. Oh. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah, that's totally that's totally wild. It's ironic, isn't it? But it shows you how this, okay, there's something maybe weird about the the canon and of course then that's the one martin luther decides to follow even though that's certainly not the canon that jesus was using when he was around so we've talked about that yeah now where we get it our our reading from today and i want to kind of paint the story again um this is something that that's familiar this this appears in our liturgy regularly every every couple years right basically it's, it's a story about a faithful jewish mother who has to watch each of her seven sons die for their faithfulness to the commandments of God, for uh. their faithfulness to Judaism. And um, so so basically, here's what happened. Um, uh, yeah, so so here's, here's essentially what happens. These brothers are living out their faith. And so the Greek powers that be basically go to them and say, if you don't stop doing this, we are going to kill you. Yes. And y- you get the sense that the Greek authorities actually have some sympathy. They're a little bit sympathetic. They're like, we don't want to kill these seven brothers. So they actually go and appeal to their mom. And they say, okay, listen, lady, you've got to just, just convince your sons just – Eat this McRib sandwich, you know, or whatever it is, or, 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 or you know, give a little bit of incense to this God. Just, just do what we're asking. Just, just go through the motions because we really don't want to kill these people. Yeah. And so the mother says, "Okay, I'll go talk to them." And the mother goes and talks to her sons, and she basically says, "I will." Um, she says, "Don't you dare break the covenants of God. Don't you dare give in. Don't you dare shame us. Stand strong, stand firm, and take whatever they give you." Which is a really profound, I mean, for any parents out there, she basically says to them, you're going to lose your body, but she says some of the most explicit language about the resurrection that we have in the entire Bible, which is where this is going to tie into the gospel for today, because there's a big dispute about the resurrection. Um, But she says to them, if you show yourselves to be faithful to God in his covenant, then he's going to actually raise your body back up again, no matter what they do. If if they cut your tongues out, if they cut your arms off, God will give you all that back someday, which is profound because the Bible nowhere else talks about the resurrection of the body in that way. No. So the fact that she actually has these insights that that's actually what's going to happen to them. And then the sons are actually speaking this as they're dying. They keep saying, no, we believe that if we're faithful, we're going to be raised back up and we're, all these things are going to happen to us. Yeah, It's absolutely profound that the level of Christian theology that's present in these books of Maccabees. I was listening uh, a number of years ago. I didn't quite realize how big this was. My, our, our mutual friend, Tom Smith. Yes, of He gave me a, a CD once of this um, Jewish rabbi who was the head of the largest educational institute in Jerusalem. It's called the Pardes Institute. Um, Daniel, Daniel Landis, I think is the name of the, the rabbi. But he was writing about, or he was speaking about this text, and he says he believes that this is actually a more Christian text than it is a Jewish text. Oh, really? If you actually read this. And he's speaking as a Jew, and he says even in our own tradition, this is, this is rarely taught to our, tr- to our children. And he said they actually had to come up with other counter stories of, martyrdom, of martyrs, Jewish martyrs, because this one was just too much like the Christ story. 
and they avoided telling it to their children. He went on, he listed all of these things that I actually never thought of. He says, look, you have a mother who watches her sons suffer, but believes that they're going to be vindicated and raised from the dead. Oh my gosh. I mean, for Pete's sake, you have these sons who believe that their shed blood is actually going to help vindicate their people. In verse 38, they actually say, our shed blood is going to help for the sins of our people. It's actually going to be expiated in some way. I mean, it's profound how this theology is all there, um, that their bodies are going to be raised up in victory. And so this rabbi said, no, look, this is a pretty explicitly Christian story, and that's why we don't tell it very often. But it's actually a really profound, uh, it's a profound thing. It's an amazing admission, really. Well, yeah, and and in my meditation on it, I mean, I'm looking and and when, of course, you know, we we always have to think, you know, numbers are going to really express something. Yeah. And when you're looking at the Jewish story, you see seven, which is, is, is a covenant. Yes. So in, 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 but you also have the days of creation. Well, it's, it's a covenant, but why is it a covenant? I mean, seven is the covenant number, but why is seven the covenant number? That I don't know. It's because seven, seven doesn't mean covenant. There's actually another word. Well, to seven oneself is covenant. Is but... to enter into a covenant. Yes. Um, uh, but but to seven is actually wholeness or completion. So it's the covenant number because when you enter into a covenant, you're giving yourself wholly and completely. When I married my wife, I mean, what I vowed was I give myself totally. I seven myself to you. That's why it's the covenant word. There's actually, and I'm, I'm blanking on it. There's a different Hebrew word for covenant itself. The word, and I, I just, I'm going blank on it. It's okay. Seven is just the number that you use to talk about how yes. to make a covenant because it's totality. Um, so it's it's there's sort of a microcosm going on with that as well. I mean, it's showing the totality of the persecution, but the totality of faith that is still uh, maintains its in- integrity in a certain sense. Yeah. Well, I, I'm. I mean, just in the meditation again. This is just. This is just my musing. But then part of what's happening is that in in the killing of the seven sons, it's actually an attempt to kill to eradicate the covenant. But, yes, exactly. But, but also to uh, eradicate the purpose of the world, and and what they're saying, like because you're saying the seven days of creation. Oh. So in some sense, you're going to come down wow. and you're going to say, no, the world's meaning is not wow pointing towards the resurrection. The world's meaning is is actually in and of itself. We're going to actually wow. destroy the meaning of creation. We're going to destroy the ability actually wow. for communion. And so that, that's just my musing on on what these seven sons are. Wow, because because they're trying to dominate the world and and apply their own meaning to what the world is. Wow, that's profound. Yeah, and I think it'll it'll show up again in our in our gospel, which is really pretty cool. Great. Well, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's take on the road again. Taking on the road. So Psalm 17. Psalm 17, and I'm reading Psalm 17 as, again, a response to this. What these sons are saying, what the mother is understanding, is really not going to come to fruition until the light of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all pointing to, even even though they don't know that. They never saw the fullness of that. But you have these sons and their mother maintaining this this total hope of what is to come. And then you get the responsorial psalm that says, Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. That's when all of this that I'm hoping for, I'm trusting mm-hmm. that if I give my body over to be killed because I'm, I'm faithful, then eventually your glory is going to be shown and my joy will be full because mm-hmm. you're going to be faithful. Mm-hmm. If you were to read on to the very end of Psalm 17, yeah. the way it actually ends, and I think this is neat, it says, but I will appear before your face in righteousness and beholding your glory, I will be satisfied. 
So eventually, you know, again, these thinking about these sons, they're going to give themselves over to martyrdom, trusting that eventually they're going to stand before his face in righteousness and they're going to be satisfied. Nothing that, that was taken from them on this world is eventually going to hold any weight because our full satisfaction will come when we see the fullness of this, when we're raised again and when we're looking at him face to face. That's how I'm reading this psalm in, in light uh, in light of this, and again, if you read on the, the stanzas, Hear, O Lord, a just suit, attend to my outcry, hearken from the prayer, uh, hearken to my prayer from my lips without deceit. I mean, this is what these guys are doing. Again, put these words in the mouths of those seven brothers as they're going, Lord, hear my prayer. Don't yeah. let me down. My outcry as this is happening. I'm praying that you're going to be faithful to this. I mean, I, I, I'm, I am uh, in real uh, profound appreciation of their willingness to be conformed to Christ. Yes. Even at this moment of their, their ability to, and willingness to hand themselves over because now what we, yeah. what we get a chance to see is, um, the glory of the Lord as poured out in them, and the, yeah. the, this amazing prefigurement of Jesus in these men, and so the the like this outcry again, uh, the blood that uh, speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. Yes, we're, th- that's the that's the whole thing that we're that we're seeing is like at the beginning, you know, the brother kills brother. Yep. And in, in some sense, that's going to be the whole, that's the whole story of salvation Yeah, uh, is is the eradication of brother killing brother. Well, no, it's more than that, though. I mean, think of that line. So you just quoted from Hebrews, the, the blood of Christ, which speaks, what it actually says in Greek is, which speaks more eloquently than did the blood of Abel. So if the blood of Jesus speaks more eloquently, what did the blood of Abel say? It, it cried out. What did it cry out, though? Do you remember? Somebody in a drinking game is going to get a good drink because <laughs> you just answer. You have to answer. Hey, come on. This is a good one. This is an important segue okay. that you've taken us okay. on. Okay, hit, hit me. It cries out for vindication, remember? Yeah. The Lord says, I heard your brother's blood crying out for vengeance, basically crying out for justice, Yes, right? For recompense. Yeah. So that's what Abel's blood cried. But now Hebrews is saying the blood of Jesus speaks more eloquently. So what does the blood of Jesus say? What is Jesus saying as he's headed toward his bloody sacrifice? Forgive them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the more eloquent response to this. And that's why, like you said, these brothers are more conforming themselves to Christ, who hasn't even come yet, than to somebody like Abel, who cries out for vengeance, vengeance on these people who are killing me. No, no, they're crying. The blood of Christ is actually crying out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's glorious. That is glorious. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so now I have some profound words to share about Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians is good, but here, let's hear what what your profound thoughts are. Um, can we skip it today? No, because read. I, I just read it again, <laughs> and I, 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 I just I, that was actually what I said. We were talking right before the podcast, and Scott's like, "Wow, man, I got nothing on this," and I was like, "Man, me neither." I was like, "Let's just skip it," and you're like, "Dude, you're going against your own principle." When Father Peter wanted to start this podcast, he says, what's going to set us apart from all the other podcasts that are, doing, that are talking about the readings? But, you know, there are other things. You can find websites and blogs where people talk about the readings. But, but nobody goes in-depth into all four of them. And Father Peter's like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go in-depth in all of them. Except the second reading, because we're going to skip it, because it sucks. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't... It's hard. Yeah, dude, it is hard. Is... The second reading is always the wild card. But I actually think this week it applies. Okay, man. Well, dude, take me on a journey. Well, let's just read it. I mean, so again, this is Paul. He's writing to the church... The, 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 the church of the Thessalonians. This is probably one of his earliest letters. We believe the Thessalonians' letters to be one of the earliest. So Paul actually has... 
sort of a sense of zeal and just excitement that he doesn't have always in his other letters. Paul, uh, yeah, he's like stoked. And we talked a yeah. little bit about this the, the other week. Is yeah. That, is that he doesn't have to solve a problem. Exactly. He actually can just build them up. He doesn't yeah. have to go into conflict. He's like, here we go. Okay, these are good things. Let's go. And, and so may the Lord speed forward and be glorified. Well, so that being said, he does have some problems to deal with in this one. This is how he closes the letter by showing... He's not putting out any f- political fires in the church in Thessaloniki, but he says this. So, brothers and sisters, may our Lord Jesus himself and God our Father, who has loved us and giving us everlasting encouragement through hope and his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us so that the word of the Lord may speed forward and be glorified as it did among you, and that we may be delivered from perverse and wicked people. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful and will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We are confident of you in the Lord, as we instruct you, that you will con- that, uh, you are doing and will continue to do. What does that remind you of? Who else is facing a wicked and perverse people, being delivered, trusting that God is faithful, being strengthened, confident that they're going to do the will of God? Um... um <laughs> Um, the Maccabees. The Maccabees. I mean, it, it, this is this is what he's describing. Oh yeah. And that's Paul, being nice a good connection. faithful Jew, but it, surely it's that's got to be in his mind. I mean, that's I think one of the most prominent stories of the Jewish people by the time of Jesus. Yeah. Think about it. Here's how you know that. If you want to know how to know if that's one of the most prominent stories, um, I always tell I talk about these in my classes always. But uh, what are some of the most one of the most what are some of the most popular names in the time of Jesus? You have a bunch of Judases. You have a bunch of Simons, you have Josephs, you have Matthias or Matthew, which is a version of that. Who has all those names? Oh, the Maccabees. Oh, the Maccabees. And I think you can learn a lot about a particular group of people based on what they name their kids, right? So all of our grandmothers were all named Mary, right? Mary something, because yeah. there was a deep Catholic love for Mary. Mary we both are about the same age, and we both have a lot of friends who have little kids who are named John Paul. Don't you? Oh, yeah. John think of all the John Pauls everywhere. You know. Because what? It says something about what who their heroes are. Yes. So the fact that everybody in Jesus' time is named Judas and Simon and Matthew and all these other things tells you about what their what their ethos is, right? They yeah. all want another group of Maccabee brothers to deliver them from this. So this is certainly on their minds. The story is the backdrop of everything they're doing. Boy, you're good. <laughs> Dude, I just got to say, man, that was like Man, you just pulled out the name card and like the baby name book, dude, just like just like laid it out. I'm just saying, wow, that was that was cool because yeah. I'm feeling that. So, yeah. so yeah. you know, there's some guys in this next book. Sorry, I just have to say, I told Father Peter, and I didn't know if this was going to be true. I was like, let's just start talking about the second reading and see if anything happens. I know it, he did say that because we really did because uh, nothing because no, yeah, <laughs> some, sometimes like it's just one of those weird things just always read these readings as if you had to preach about them <laughs> I mean <laughs> or give a podcast about yeah them. you're you're like okay you're gonna and because then because sometimes you're just like what is what is this I don't know man um and so there's this group you know and this is the all-time joke and I'm gonna spoil it for anybody here there's and the, you know, there's a group, and they don't believe in the resurrection, so they're very sad, you see. But there's another group, and they're putting on all these rules, and they're not very fair, you see. Oh. You've never heard that? There's dude, a whole song. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee, because they're not fair, you see. I just want to be a sheep. Bah. 
It's really good. I Give just that to Patty. I I was religiously homeschooled. Do you know this? I didn't. No, yeah, I did. I did because yeah. I know the story of your confirmation, <laughs> which we probably shouldn't say on air. Yeah, it's okay. I I have cool. a legitimate confirmation. Okay. <laughs> I am. Yes. I, I am. It's but, valid. Yeah, it's valid. It's valid. You know, I'll just go with that. All right. So the sad. They're so sad. Just see. So the Sadducees, so, so this is that weird gospel passage that we've a lot of us are probably familiar about with, I can't speak today. It's because you've got 20 minutes of sleep. I got 20 minutes of sleep. <laughs> you got 20 minutes of sleep. Covered in vomit, <laughs> sleeping on the floor, covered in vomit. Oh, it's the worst. I just have to say this. So every, literally like every 20 minutes, Lily's up. And there was like an hour break between like 3.30 and 4.30 where she didn't wake up. Oh. And it's like 4.15 and guess what I hear? Samuel's up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. He woke up, and that was fine. And then she finally fell back asleep around 6, and guess what happens? The dog's barking to be let out. Oh, it was just a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor so there. So the Sadducees. So here's the thing. Um, What's the thing? The, the, the Sadducees <laughs> are sad, you see. So some so Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came forward, and they put this question to Jesus, saying... Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take up his wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. Seven oh, of sound familiar to anybody? Creation, covenant. And the Maccabee seven brothers. <laughs> 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 yes, but all these other things. <laughs> uh, the I was first... just trying to make associations. No, That's good. why these people listen to this yeah, podcast. Absolutely. They they're do. looking for the connection. I love it. The first married a woman died childless, and then the second and the third married her. Okay, here's this goes on. Okay. but So basically the question is, okay, there's a bunch of different brothers. They all married their brother's wife. Whose wife is she going to be in heaven? What's the story? What's it going to be? And basically Jesus comes back and he's like, no, no, there's not going to be marriage the way we think of it in heaven. This is Basically he says this is a stupid question. Yep. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. We got to know the backdrop of this. And we got to know the backdrop of this. So in Jesus' time, and this is a, a great segue from the Maccabee period because I mentioned to you, so th- this is where the history gets a little bit sorted. Okay. So the Greek Empire was ruling. Antiochus Epiphanes made it illegal to practice Judaism. The brothers Maccabee, they stand up, they gain independence, they fight for Jerusalem to be free. They are free. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they establish their own little dynasty. But it becomes corrupt very soon. And you have the high priest that shouldn't be the high priest because they're not oh, of the right family. Yeah. And they're buying things off. And remember, and there's Caesar is actually putting people there, and there's political puppets, and that's where the Herod regime comes from. And it gets really messy. Which now, are all very ninja techniques to take down an empire. Exactly. That's true. But it's out of that period that you get these groups called the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Don't make Essene. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure I stole that from a Scott Hahn book. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it Qumran squirrels comes from the Essene community. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah, the Dead Sea Squirrels. But, but okay, so here's, here's what they are in a nutshell. So the Pharisees. Here's how the Pharisees were born. This is a couple hundred years before Jesus. Around the time just after the Maccabees. So basically, this corruption started happening. Okay, we're free. We're independent. There were high priests that actually shouldn't be the high priests, and there were these people mm-hmm. ruling, and it was it, people were getting power hungry in their freedom. Yeah. So the Pharisees showed up, and they said, no, 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 this isn't right. We can't do this. You can't just elect high priests. You can't just appoint yourself. You can't do this. This is against the law. So the Pharisees became kind of the political party, so to speak, that was opposing the, the, the sitting Jewish power. Saying, no, this is illegitimate. This is breaking the law. This is going against the prophets and the covenants. And basically they're saying, 
the mindset was, look, we're in this bad situation. We have the Greeks ruling over us. We still don't really control all of the land. We have Jerusalem back, which is great, and we have some independence. But look, we're clearly still in a sort of exile here. We don't have the nation back. How did we lose the promises and the nation and the kingship? Well, it's because we weren't faithful to the law. So what's the only way to get it back? Well, let's be as faithful to law as humanly possible. Mm. And so they said, we're going to oppose you and we're going to point out all the places in the law that you're not being faithful, you powers that be, and you basically leaders and high priests and the Sanhedrin and everybody else. And they, they, it was then that they started creating all the laws on top of the laws so that nobody could come even close to breaking the actual laws because you had to get through all the other fences of laws. Yes. That's the Pharisees. Uh, Pharisee, the Hebrew word, means to, to be set apart, the set apart ones or the separated ones. Yep. So it's the, the classic um, being in the world but not of it. Yep. We're going to live among you. We're going to be here, but we're going to point out how corrupt we've become. Yeah, and, and, and we're going to live the laws of the priests. Exactly. We're going to do everything we possibly exactly. can so that we don't even mess with anything core, man. Now, that's it's kind of interesting because the Essenes actually believed the same thing, essentially. But they decided to live the life of the Pharisees, but basically say, forget you guys. You guys are done for. We're just going to stand. We're going to go to the desert and watch for the lightning to strike you guys because <laughs> you're a, you're a lost cause. So they're totally in agreement with the Pharisees for the most part. But yeah. the Pharisees are going to stay there and try to reform it from within. The Essenes say, no, we're with you guys, but we're not gonna there's make a no scene. way. We're not going to make a scene. Very good. <laughs> now, who are the Sadducees? Well, don't they name me like righteous ones, something like that? Yes. Yeah. And so they are precisely. Sorry, were you going to answer? But yeah, but I, I somehow they get involved in the politics of everything. They are the ones that the Pharisees are opposing. So the Sadducees become the high priests and the religious leaders and the Sanhedrin, most of whom actually have pretty corrupt pasts and shouldn't be in the positions that they're in. So one of the fundamental differences in beliefs becomes, so the Pharisees, their big thing is, look, this is where we've been unfaithful. This is where the prophets said we shouldn't do that. This is where, you know, Isaiah said, look at Jeremiah. You know, look, this is clear that we're we're going on the wrong track. The the Sadducees come back and they say, you know what? We're actually going to throw out all of the scriptures except the Pentateuch. We're going to go back to the foundation. We're going to go back to the core of everything. Now, why would the powers that be in Jerusalem want to go back just to the Pentateuch and throw out everything? else. Well, it's because all the prophets were the ones who taught, and there's a drink you can have. It's because it was the prophets that talked about how corrupt the kings have become and how corrupt the people are and all of the sin and all the consequences for sin. So if you just choose to throw out all those books, everything's fine. So the Sadducees basically were the ones that represented the status quo. So the Pharisees said, look, we need God's grace back. We need God's presence with us again. We lost it because we're sinners. The Sadducees are coming back and saying, no, 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 everything's fine. Look, things are great. Look, we have basically independence. Herod's not so bad. Caesar's not so bad. He's kind of friendly to us. Things are nice. Let's not mess with anything because we have really good salaries and really nice houses and drive our Cadillac Escalades. That's basically the idea. So we're going to yeah. keep the status quo. So that being said, if you've thrown out the prophets and all this other stuff except for the Pentateuch, they've also thrown out the belief in things like angels and the resurrection of the dead because there's no reference to resurrection of the dead Outside the prophets. Remember, there's Ezekiel has that kind of obscure, the dry, dry bones, bones coming back together. Mm-hmm. But other than that, in the Pentateuch, there's certainly no reference to it. Yeah. So they're saying, nah, there's no such thing as the resurrection of the dead. We don't even know if there's a heaven. You know, all these things are kind of up for grabs because the Pentateuch doesn't say anything about it. So that's where they're kind of questioning this whole resurrection. So it's kind of tongue in cheek. Um, so there, it oh. says it points out they deny that there is a resurrection, and they're like, and they're they're basically posing this question to Jesus to show how silly they think that the theology of the resurrection is. 
They're like, look, if there's really a resurrection, this guy's supposed to marry his brother's wife, and then he's supposed to marry the brother's wife. Look at how ridiculous this is. Complicated. Exactly. And that's where Jesus says, no, it's a stupid question. Stop trying to trick me on this. But what he does is actually interesting. And in in, in, uh, giving his answer, let's see, Jesus said to him, said to them, the children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to sustain to attain the coming age and the resurrection of the dead neither marry or are given in marriage. They can no longer die. They are like angels, which they also don't believe. Boom. He's just kind of rubbing it in. And they are the children of God because they are the ones who rise. The dead that will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush in which he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And is he not the God of, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living for to him who all who are alive. What is Jesus doing? He actually goes back, not to the prophets, not to anything else, to the Pentateuch. He's like, look, this is where what what Moses is saying is, look. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these are not dead realities. These are people who are alive in God yeah. and who will be alive in Jesus Christ. But it, So he's using their own theology against them, so to speak. Yeah, and, and he's tagging it into this nature of, of angels, which it's always kind of bothered me a little bit because I'm looking and I'm going like, no, we won't be. I mean, we have a little bit of a designation, but yeah. I mean, we'll be like angels because we will be um, independently dedicated toward the Lord. Exactly. Even though yeah. we'll be in profound, uh, the the amount of communion we share with others is the amount of communion we share with the Lord. Yeah, exactly. I, I also think of this moment, too, in, in some sense, they're going back to the book of Tobit and where Tobias um, wants to marry the woman and she's had seven husbands. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and so, it, uh, but his whole thing is about... Um, getting the inheritance. His father sent him on a mission to garner the inheritance. And so in some sense, I I see this moment where the Lord is actually coming back and talking about the true inheritance, which is the relationship with the father. Exactly. Which is what the Maccabee brothers are trusting in, even though they haven't seen it. So this is all tied together really pretty tight-knitly. Tightly knit? Tightly knit. Tightly Tightly. Uh, they call it crocheting, actually. Oh, crochet right. together. Don't don't you know, tell don't, anybody who says that they knit and you they actually crochet, man. Don't don't be saying that. They will get I in won't. your face and stick a needle in your eye. Oh, jeez. And that's where like we that. cross our hope, heart and hope not to die. Um, <laughs> you right. guys, thank you for joining us today on this totally wonderful and ex- extensively long podcast. It's a little long, but th- this is the thing: is that I had a really good time without the headphones. Yeah. Um, I'm still a little thrown off. But I'm totally thrown off by fun. it. It's, it's a lot easier to interrupt you if I don't have my headphones on. <laughs> if you're not actually engaging me as a person. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Well, you guys um, contact us on uh, Facebook. Uh, share your thoughts on Pinterest and um, Instagram, the Telegram. <laughs> with Teddy Grahams. Get house paint samples on SherwinWilliams.com. And, Photograph and, what your house may look like painted. Absolutely. I just did that. You know, buy some shoes at Zappos <laughs> and return them, but only one of them, just because everybody needs just one shoe to walk yeah. around in. Yeah. Follow up on whatever coupons you got for Banana Republic. <laughs> Dude, I get a lot of them. I do too. That's why I bring them. I know, but they don't have boot cut anymore. I know. So mad. No, let's not get into that. Okay. All right. If there's, if you're still listening, you know, you turn us off. Turn it off. Turn it go off. home. Yeah, go. All right. Go we home. will see you next week, everybody. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.